Now, we aren't trying to rub anything in today for all of you, but you did miss a great event if you were not a part of the huddle. And so we're really excited to tell you a little bit about it, what you missed out on, and the collaborative environment that we were able to create over the two days. Welcome to Therapist in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner. Welcome back to Therapist in Motion. This is Dan hosting again. And as you heard in our introduction, I am joined by our director of sports medicine, Becca Hibbert. Hello, everybody. So as we alluded to in our introduction, today's podcast is going to be focused on the Huddle 2022. So Becca, first off, amazing job with planning and organizing the Huddle. And just give us and our listeners a real quick uh, interpretation of how you thought the two-day event went. So I have to say, as the person who did a lot of the planning, you know, I had high expectations. We really wanted to do this the right way. But this far out, this far exceeded my expectations. And the feedback we already received has been amazing. But for me, what has been the most important is that people continue to talk about how much they learned from various kinds of sports medicine professionals and just the collaboration within the room over the two days. Yeah, I would agree. That's kind of the same thing that I experienced and saw in the during the break times of the amount of interaction that was happening between the participants and the engagement that they had with the speakers afterwards. And it was just amazing to witness that and experience that for the first time. So during our episode today, what we're going to try and strive to do is to kind of go back and, and give some highlights of the two days, mainly for any of you who do not attend in person to go to spooner.com slash the huddle and subscribe to purchase the on-demand component so that you two can get up to speed on what was presented from our amazing, well-rounded speakers over the two days. So Becca, I'm going to ask you first, what was the thing or who was the speaker that that stood out the most to you? And I know we did have an amazing group. So anybody who listens of our speakers who did not get picked, that doesn't mean that we're playing favorites, (laughs) I promise. Uh, But because you all did an amazing job, I just want to know like what really resonated with you from your perspective? As Dan mentioned, this is an unfair question, but (laughs) I will say one of the things I loved the most is we had Dr. Melody Rubish, who is a physician in New York City and works a lot with Broadway. And I think what I appreciated was just the absolutely different perspective that we got. It is not something that a lot of people do or work with. And her talk of costumes, what is expected of those athletes? And they are athletes. And if you don't think they are, please listen to her talk because you will know they are once you listen to it, just the insight she gave us about the questions to ask to make sure that we are treating those athletes the correct way and that we're doing it in a way that makes sense for what they do, not for what we're used to. Yeah, I agree. She was fantastic. And everybody that I spoke to in the audience was absolutely blown away by her and the completely different perspective that she put on caring for those athletes, as you mentioned. I think for me, the one that was the most transformational was Derek Darren McMaines 
he, as a sports psychologist, performer, former professional baseball player, it was incredible to watch him command the stage and speak to us not to become psychologists, but to have a better understanding of the mindset of our athletes and how we can engage them during potentially very difficult time in their career when they've been injured, right? And not knowing where they are in their stage, if they're looking for a college scholarship, if they're looking to sign a big contract, if they're looking to be signed as a free agent, or if it's something that's ended their career. And just, you know, I think the quote that stood out to me that he talked about related to identity was when our identity is attached to our performance, we will consistently perform in a threatened state to protect our identity. And as I think back to a number of athletes that I've worked with, my own athletic performance, whatever you want to call that, I think that that spoke to things that I struggled with and that my athletes have struggled with and not that I have all the answers, but if I hear those things, now I have resources and and people to send those athletes to that can help them far better than I. Well, and as I mentioned, when he, when he was done, I got back on stage and I said, I think I just went through my own therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding because I think what he talked about, like you said, absolutely relates to our athletes, but it also relates to us and our own identity and how we come up with what our identity is. And so I just sat there and thought, oh my God, I could listen to you for an hour and a half. I just felt like he was speaking to us both as professionals and as for what we do for our athletes, patients, clients. Yeah. So the next person that I think had a huge impact on our audience was Chris Sinicori, uh, the major league pitching coach. And, you know, he came at the right time of the day. It was extremely dynamic. And the thing that I think any of you who work with overhead throwing athletes and specifically baseball pitchers, you want to tune in because he talked about three incredible tips to give your pitchers to help them throw downhill with more success. And as someone like myself, who honestly doesn't know a ton about pitching mechanics, you know, his talk was perfectly titled. He makes the complex simple and he really breaks it down to, to all of us in a way where it's, we are not meant to be pitching coaches, but there are certain things that we can definitely look at when we're looking at our whole athlete to understand, okay, maybe this is where some of those issues are coming in. Also, he's hilarious. So he was like a comedic relief in the middle of everything. Uh, So it was just the way he presented everything. I always find super helpful. Yeah. And, you know, I think that if we look back on the sequencing of our speakers and the way that they integrated so many crucial components of caring for athletes, collaboration, communication, teamwork, realizing that there are people on your team that can do something better than you can. We heard that from Gary Gray. We heard that from Ken Crenshaw. We heard that from Dr. Wazlewski. We heard that from Brett Fisher. We heard that from Stefania Bell. We heard that from Sue Falsoni. Like you name it and they discussed that. You know, Ken Crenshaw talked about great tips for mindset for clinicians and how he's evolved his thought process over 30 years in professional baseball and what that's done. I think that's incredible for all of us to hear and reflect upon and see that perspective from 
you know, somebody who's only been in one really setting for the vast majority of his career, but still how he takes so many different schools of thoughts and integrates those and knows where he can be effective with his athletes. I think that was hugely crucial. Yeah. And I think sometimes we all get lost in our own, like what we're doing and we forget how important the team is. And it was so nice to have all these speakers at the top of their game. And we did not say to them, okay, please talk about communication or please talk, talk about teamwork. But they understand that in sports medicine to survive, to get better as both a professional and to get your athletes better, you have to work as a team. And just so many of them speaking to that without even having to be prompted to do so, it just reminded me about the importance of collaboration and what we do with our athletes. Yeah. Another thing that really stood out to me, and it it did seem like it got a little heavy, not on purpose on talking about the baseball or the throwing athlete, but there was a couple fantastic questions from our audience. One was about you know, the number of pitches and would you rather have somebody throw a hundred pitches in one day or throw three consecutive days in a row? And I think that was a great question. And our, our panel members answered that with some incredible things for all of us to think about. And then the other thing was with the current trend in baseball about the weighted ball. And one response that I absolutely loved came from Gary Gray. And he said, I love using weighted balls. I call them medicine balls, and I will train my overhead athletes, softball, baseball players, in the transverse plane with the weighted ball, but I'm probably not going to do it in their hand because if it's how it's going to change the proprioceptive input to the joint from the top down, which again, I think was just something that as I panned the audience, you saw a lot of people go, huh, that does make a lot of sense. There's no harm in using weight. It's just, where's that weight coming from? So I think that was from some of the questions we had from our audience. That's that's another thing that was, as I reflect back upon it, and I encourage our listeners to consider purchasing the on-demand component of the huddle is to, to challenge them themselves to think about the questions that were asked and how would they answer them if they were sitting on the panel. And I appreciated Ken Crenshaw also touched on the weighted balls. And I think he goes back to the same thing that we always have to remember as sports medicine professionals. If you do one thing and only one thing, that's never going to be good for the athlete. So it's understanding every athlete's an individual. What is the age of the athlete? What are you asking them to do? So the weighted ball, you know, I think everybody wants you to take a side. And what Ken was really saying is it's not about taking a side. It's understanding why you're using that. And it's exactly what Gary talked to as well. And so that's what's so important. Once again, you're getting all these different perspectives and everybody's kind of at the same time saying the same thing, like know the individual in front of you and treat them as such. Don't just open it up to everybody because that's the kind of in thing right now. Right. And I think what you just said there highlighted the importance of Brett Fisher's talk on developing emotional intelligence and what that really takes to do it at the personal level and then to engage at the professional level. Because what you just said about Ken Crenshaw and the way that he manages the weighted ball with his athletes, he does that because he has a high emotional intelligence to be able to engage with the athlete and meet them where they are. And so for those of you who 
want and or want to improve how you engage your athlete and or every client that you interact with. Brett Fisher's talk on emotional intelligence was fantastic. And I think Dr. Hubes talked about something and how that really spoke to her that she shared with you. Yeah, she even mentioned to me afterwards that she wanted to have Brett come and talk to all like new physicians. She thought it was such an important discussion. And I think the thing that it also is helpful for is even if you may have high emotional intelligence, it can also, it can always be improved, unlike our IQ, which tends to stay pretty steady, but we can improve our emotional intelligence. But also if you're a leader and you're kind of working with some younger clinicians and you're thinking, you know, there's just something missing here, it may be that emotional intelligence. And it may just be you learning from Brett and then taking that next step and learning how to work with maybe some younger clinicians or whoever it may be that you're like, that's kind of the thing that they need to know more about. And you as a leader can use that as well. I think that's a fantastic reflection um, that that she shared with us. And then your additional insight there, Becca, for our listeners. You know, the, the last couple of things that I really want to highlight is um, Stefania Bell and talking about the current trends that are evolving in sport and some new technology that's coming out that is going to, that it currently is probably only available from a cost standpoint at the professional level, but will be making its way to the high school, to the college and high school, and then probably club level. That's just going to allow us as movement and sports medicine providers to engage with parents and coaches and strength training individuals and athletic trainers at a higher level to help the athlete. And then, you know, just her insight on hearing what's up and coming and how, you know, something like blood flow restriction, which has become a lot more mainstream, how it really started and who kind of was a trailblazer in that. That was fantastic. I think for us to hear because we now know about it, but how did it start and where did it come about? I think that was great from her. Um, you know, anything you want to talk about that Stefania touched on that I, I missed? No, I mean, I think you hit it all. And I think it's just remembering it's good to be a skeptic, right? When we first hear about these things, but then kind of seeing how they develop over time and being open. So it's good to be skeptical, but we also need to be open about what works um, and what doesn't work. And, you know, that's what I really loved about I am going to use you and Paul as an example and Sue Falzone really talk about not just understanding the research, which is so important, but the art of treating athletes. And I appreciated that. I think everybody touched on that you know, here is where the research is. Here is where maybe the research falls short. So here's our experience, but also lean on your own experience and really getting a better understanding of the art of how we treat athletes. And I think sometimes at conferences, we lose that because we would just want to go so research-based that we forget there's a good combination of the art of treating athletes along with the science of it. Well, and I think that that's what our physician lecturers did so incredible on was they they blended that balance of okay here's what the research says here's here's the stats from the surgery here's here's what why an examination is so crucially important in decision making process as well as does it actually match what the images say and you know with Dr. Wazuski and Dr. Lund transforming the way that we're looking at onocollateral ligament MRIs to determine and to help, you know, Dr. Wazlewski or Dr. Meister really determine is surgery indicated at this time. 
that was huge, right? And so it is that blend of art and science. And and I think our, our physician speakers did a fantastic job of highlighting that as well. It wasn't just from the therapist's perspective. The physicians did that just equally as well. Um, you know, last but not least, I, I do have to give us a, a special shout out to Dr. Myers. Um, I had the privilege of of interacting with him the day before playing golf and sitting next to him, you know, at dinner and just hearing his story and his inquisitiveness and still how much he knows is still to be learned regarding sports, hernia or athletic pubalgia and his just pure excitement to be around our conference. And, you know, at the speaker dinner, hearing him say, gosh, that was just incredible information that I don't usually get to be exposed to, even though he has worked with so many athletes. Um, his talk was incredible and humbling for all of us and realizing this man is a pioneer, but yet he's saying there's still so much to be learned. It was just incredible for me. And I've always felt, I say this all the time, the, the best clinicians know where their expertise ends and where either somebody else's begins or is willing to say, you know what, we just don't know. Uh, that's the first time I've ever heard Dr. Myers talk. I know he doesn't do a ton of speaking engagements, so we were so lucky to have him. But on top of that, like you said, just to see how engaged he was, how engaged all of our speakers were. So many of them were there throughout the two days, which surprised me. But once again, really speaks to the importance of collaboration, learning from each other, understanding where our experience or expertise may stop. Somebody else picks up. And if we learn from each other and pick that up, it's only going to make us better as clinicians. Yeah. I guess I do have one more final point that you just reminded me and, and it's going to be shout out to, to Sarah and Carrie on their pelvic health talk and how many physicians stayed in that group and asked fantastic questions of them. And I think then speaking with them, they realized, man, there's things that we've probably missed in the care of our athletes and what they can do to help direct some of those athletes to people who can help them, you know, talking to Dr. Peterson and Dr. Wazlewski, they were like, gosh, that's, that is just eye opening for us. And the, the, the questions that they engaged both during the presentation and after spoke volumes to me of what they pride themselves on as what, as well as what we pride them ourselves on of constantly learning and not being afraid to hear new information and then go back and digest it and determine where does it fit in our treatment paradigm and when can we utilize that information? Yeah, I would say in the past four to five years, I really believe wholeheartedly that pelvic floor is a missing link for a lot of our athletes. And if you do not have experience with pelvic floor or maybe just some minimal, you know, you've seen a few things about it. I highly encourage you to spend that time on Sarah and Carrie's presentation. As Dan mentioned, it really opened a lot of eyes. I know my eyes just continue to be open every time I hear uh, one of those talks, but I don't think we understand or value the importance of that. And really the importance of having people that know how to treat that, take a look at it. And as they always talk about, collaborate back with the person who sends that to them. So it's not just about them overtaking the patient and becoming a completely pelvic floor patient, but once again, treating the whole athlete. And sometimes if we're missing that, we need to have resources like pelvic floor to reach out to. Well, Becca, I thank you for joining me today. Hopefully our listeners have 
heard some things that encourage or inspire them to purchase the on-demand aspect of the huddle. Also, I hope that we will be launching soon, that we will be having the huddle 2023, and everybody will be able to mark their calendars and plan a trip to beautiful, sunny Arizona, probably in March of 2023. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please do not hesitate to reach out at therapistsinmotion at spoonerpt.com. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app.